Welcome to episode 32 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And we've had a couple of goalie changes um, in both the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals. It worked out well for uh, one of the two teams that made the goalie change. Um, the other, to be determined as we're recording this podcast, but uh, you'll find out uh, how it went after Game 5 is done. Um also, we're going to be talking about uh, a little Kessel and Thornton. Um, Brett will uh, delve into that. Uh, he's got a little history lesson planned, so I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll leave the spoiler. It's up to him on that front. Also, the World Championships, Canada's in the gold medal game again. Big surprise. The Memorial Cup is underway, and we've already got a candidate for goal of the year. Uh, from a Devils prospect, more on that, uh, as well as the RBC Cup, the National Championship game, uh, basically the Memorial Cup for uh, the Junior A hockey level teams, uh, the National Championship, that happens today, we'll talk a bit about that, but first, a quick shout out to all the players past and present in the NHL who have uh, donned the jersey number 32, 273 players to be exact, it won't rhyme off every single one, obviously, because we don't have the time. But uh, a couple of notables. Um, Bruce Boudreau in A6 with the Blackhawks. Uh, he wore that number, hmm. as did another uh, NHL coach back in the day, Rick Bonus. Uh, I believe. Yep, yeah, 81-82 with the Winnipeg Jets. He wore that number. Um, and there were, and there were a- another coach, Bruce Cassidy, with the Blackhawks in 87. He wore that number as well. Um Tim Shelday with the Red Wings, 90 through 94, he wore that number. Uh, and uh, a, a lot of other noticeable goaltenders, of course, Jonathan Quick. Who can forget Jonathan Quick? He has worn number 32 uh, in both of the years, of course, um, that uh, the LA Kings won uh, their Stanley Cups. Uh, another former Kings goalie, Matthew Garon, he also... Um, wore the number 32, although, surprisingly, not with the L.A. Kings. Uh, and probably one of the most infamous enforcers of the 1990s, Stu Crimson, the Grim Reaper, as they called him. Uh, he wore number uh, 32 with the various amount of teams, including the Red Wings, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Yes, that's what they were called back in the day. Uh, and the L.A. Kings in 2001. He wore that number as well. Kelly Rudy, who can forget Kelly Rudy when the Kings made it to the finals in 93, you can sense a pattern there. Um, he wore number 32, as did Dale Hunter, who uh, spent a great deal of his time with the Washington Capitals. <laughs> and and all, who can forget the Latvian Arthurs Urbe with the Sharks, Stars, and Canucks, he wore number 32 as well. So, to all players in the NHL past and present, who have done the number 32, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and um, Steve. Alright, uh, let's do... Right, so now we... Uh, do well first email uh our email is uh lace m a uh, lace up bag at gmail.com um for any questions and comments uh feedback is great 
Hockey-related questions also acceptable. We yeah, hockey-related questions even. Uh, we'll yeah, put them on the show. Questions or comments you may yep. have. Yep. Uh, rate us on... Um, Rate us on uh, iTunes, five stars. Um, anything less, we uh, we don't appreciate that. Um, but uh, that will help us get some more popularity. Um, and then you have uh, Twitter, which is Lay Some Podcast. Uh, we did it. We did some a couple of pools on uh, on the Twitter, um, which is great. I'll actually. Throughout the show, I'll, uh, I'll announce the uh, what happened, the results of those, if you haven't already. Um, and uh, and then we have the Facebook, which is the the Facebook. Um, <laughs> we have our Facebook, which is uh, lay some up. Um, yeah, and uh, you're probably listening to us on SoundCloud as we and SoundCloud as well. Um, all right, let's get going. So the conference finals was this week. Uh, both both conference finals were two two at series tied. It's one of those things where, like, when the Blues were winning, it felt like they were going to win the series, and then when the Sharks were winning, it felt like they were going to win the series. And that's the same with the Penguins and the Lightning. Um, when the Lightning won, you know, it felt like they were just going to take over, and when the Penguins won. It felt like they were going to take over, but it's both are uh, tied to two. Uh, Penguins Lightning play tonight. Um, this will probably be uh, broadcast on Monday, so uh, that so that game will one of those teams you'll, will you'll get ahead. Than, than we're talking about right now. Exactly, but um, we can still talk about the uh, stuff in the Eastern Conference. I think I I read somewhere that. Um, that uh, Mark Andre Fleury uh, is in net tonight. Um, he took over Matt Murray uh, when in the third of the la- of game four. Um, so it um, so I guess that makes sense. I'm also reading that Trevor Daly is done for the season with a broken ankle. Um, that's, that's a tough loss for them. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I did mention that we were going to talk about the polls. So when this, uh, before the, uh, before there were even any games in the fir- in the conference finals, I asked, so now that the first games, oh no, when the first games of the conference finals happened, so both games were, you know, the Lightning won game one and the uh, Blues won game one in their series. Um, I asked, what is your prediction for making the finals? Um, and it is a two-way tie with the Pens Blues and the Pens Sharks. Um, the light... No one's given Tampa much of a chance. Yeah. With 20... But but it's still pretty close, though, because... Okay. Uh, so those were tied at 28% apiece. A Lightning Blues got 20%. And Lightning Sharks got twenty four percent. So it's, it seems like it's a toss up either way. But let's start with the Pens uh, Pens Lightning. Um, yeah, as I just mentioned, it does seem like whoever is winning like will take the series. But no one, neither team has seemed to been like always on top of it right now. But 
it's um yeah i don't know what are your thoughts well game one like we we all know the story is that you know basileski comes in relief looks pretty good uh lightning get the win but the question is and i asked it last week yeah they won the battle but are they going to win the war right and for games two and three, Pittsburgh responded accordingly and won both of those games. And not only did they win both of those games, they outshot Tampa Bay drastically. Like, Vasilevsky in game three had to face 48 shots. Yeah. Um, the most of that any Tampa Bay goaltender, including Ben Bishop, has had to face in a playoff game, apparently. And, and, and uh, John Cooper said at the end of game three, I think if we put Vassie uh, and Bish in the nets, uh, at the same time, they still probably would have squeaked a couple by them the way we were playing. So that that kind of shows, you know, just how accountable Tampa had to be going into Game Four, and they were accountable because they got off to a pardon the pun, a lightning quick start <laughs> to Game Four, and they got up to a four nothing lead, and they chased Matt Murray from the net. Now, here's the thing that scares me about Tampa Bay, and while I still have faith that they're going to come out of this series and they're going to go to the finals. It's alarming that they have a 4 nothing lead. The Penguins go to Marc-Andre Fleury. That sparks them, and they come this close to going from 4 nothing down to tying it. They had two glorious chances in the final couple of minutes to tie that game, and they just missed. So even though Tampa held on to win the game, uh, Pittsburgh could have easily tied that. Uh, but they didn't, and... A win's a win, it's tied 2-2, best of three, anything can happen. But it wouldn't surprise me if they went to Marc-Andre Fleury to start Game 5 because... He is starting it, Game 5. It, it, it's, well, it's, it's, not, it's not only... It, it wouldn't be shock. It's not shocking to me because, you know, the fact that it's happening. It wouldn't shock me if they went to Matt Murray either, considering right. the way he's played. Yeah. And he wasn't really... Bad. Yeah, I, I, I heard he wasn't really all that bad. But, but I mean... It's just that they needed a spark. And you saw the spark yeah. that they got when Flurry was playing. Yeah, I don't I don't think Murray was the issue no. for them. They for just them. They just, they just needed, like, a different person. Which is... We'll talk about the, the other series, too. It's the yeah. same for the Blues, where Elliot's not the issue, but they just need a spark. And, and, um, and yeah. And he, and he hasn't played, uh, prior to that, he hadn't played in 50 days, yeah. so, you know, he's still kind of fresh, and regardless of whether or not he looked better in the net than Matt Murray did, you know, it's easy to say that for a goalie who hasn't played in 50 days, yeah, yeah. didn't look all there, but the thing is, the team scored three goals, and they almost tied it, yeah. and they looked pretty good in, in doing so. Well, that's the good, that's the good thing about having a lot of goalies, um, or, like, having two good goalies is yeah. that, like, if one of them just doesn't do well, um, then you have another one that you can just put in, um, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if, like, and, it, like, if you, you're putting him in, you're putting Flurry in when it's 4 nothing. you know, it's, like, if it's, if he let, if sure, he's rusty, but that's why you put him in at that point because you're kind of giving up on that game at the moment. Although it turned out to be closer than it was, but um, but like you're giving up in the sense that it's just like, well, I guess we're not going to win, but let's see if Flurry, ha- you know, gets some Flurry some playing time. I guess that would be their thinking. Um, and, and, and the no 
quit attitude of Tyler Johnson. I mean, yeah. in the warm-up, he gets that inadvertent puck to the face. He tries on, you know, the, the actual cage, not the see-through cage. You know, yeah. The, the Adam, the Adam House League cage that every player wears. In right. Hockey. Oh, yeah. He goes, he goes to that and then he switches to the clear mouth. And the game winner doesn't even go off his stick. It goes off his knee and in. But it's the game winner nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that shows a lot of, you know, true grit there. Right. And that, that's, that's playoff hockey at its finest. And Jonathan Druin, again, delivers when it matters most. He got the 3 nothing goal there, making things happen. And, again, you've got to wonder if Steven Stamkos doesn't come back. And they don't re-sign him. I, I, I think more and more, the more I see of Jonathan Druin, the more I'm thinking, if they don't re-sign Stamkos, they're going to do their best, I think, to keep Jonathan Druin. Despite all the trades talk that's happened in the past. Yeah, I think that's If you're going to lose Stamkos, you've got to keep Druin. And if you're going to trade Druin, you've got to keep Stamkos. <laughs> That's, I think or that's you could keep both, now. but it's gonna be it's gonna be, it's gonna be a chain reaction depending on who gets who 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 stays and who goes. Or because uh, in my opinion, you can't keep both. Really, you can't keep both. I well, <laughs> see, you can't keep both in my opinion because Jonathan Drouin. I, I think the big problem, the big issue with Jonathan Drouin is he wanted a bigger role. If Steven Stamkos leaves. He will get his big role on the Tampa Bay Lightning. If he stays, he won't. I don't know if that's necessarily true because we haven't seen how Juan is without when Stamkos is healthy. You know, well, like this. True. I feel like this is um, like we're seeing a different kind of Juan um, that we haven't seen before in the NHL. So. Um, so who, like, I don't think, I think it would be a mistake to get rid of both of them. Um, I think you try well, yeah, to keep both I, of them. I don't think they will if Stamkos leaves. I think they do whatever they can to convince you and, you know, we don't have to trade you. You don't have to. Well, you just, okay, well, you just said that you can't keep both, but. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> saying you, you can't keep both. I think it's going to be one or the other. You can't okay. keep both because if Stamkos leaves, he's the star of the show. If he yeah, leaves, he can't be the star. I don't I don't think that's true though, as we'll talk about later in this whole uh, Thornton and Kessel thing. Is you can't base it all on one playoffs, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think I think it's just because we haven't seen what what uh, what Drew N is like when Stamkos is healthy, because with this new Drew N in the lineup. Um, because I feel like this is a different Druen that we have seen, and I think he can be—he's able to perform with Stamkos in the lineup. Now, speaking of star power, you look at—we you know, go back to the Trevor Daly injury yep. and how serious that uh, is. Apparently, uh, so Oli Mata is going to step in. I guess he was injured too, but he's going to be back. That's a welcoming tonight. sign for Pittsburgh. Yep. But you, you look at Chris Letang and his actions. Um, in in game four, and, and Boyle, you know, mocking him in the penalty box. Yeah. With Trevor Daly, you know, and one of the most underrated pickups, arguably, this year, yeah. that has proven to be a key member of the Pittsburgh Penguins defense. Chris Letang needs to keep his cool now more than ever with Daly out. Yeah. Because he's their guy, ultimately. He's their guy now. And he has been, but especially now more than ever, he's their guy. And they need him on the ice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, 
it is a sad thing. Um, I, f- I just wish, like, both the Lightning and the Penguins just had healthy guys. Um, like, they had Bishop and Stamkos back, and then, yeah. and well, Strawman was back. Um, and then um, I wish, that, you know, Flurry, um, Daly, and all those guys were back, too. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I um, yeah, it's it's going to be tough for them because I feel like Daly was like the unsung hero in uh, in that Washington series. But um, yeah, they're going to have to. Their defense is going to have to step up um, more than they have been in the past. So well, they're going we'll to have to because yeah. you know, as the reports say, they're going to go with Flurry in Game Five. We'll yeah. see how that plays out uh, and. And for the listeners who are listening to this podcast, you'll know how it played yeah. out by the time you're listening to this. But if Fleury starts to struggle, if he does, then all of a sudden you've got a conflict. Do you go back to Matt Murray or do you stick with Fleury? Because right. you're, you could be down 3-2 to two by the time this is put on the interweb for all the games. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um so, it, it, yeah, yeah, regardless, it's a statement game. Game five's always a statement game in this case scenario, down to a best of three for both teams. And it'll yeah. be fun to see how they respond. And it, the fact that it's in Pittsburgh's barn, Pittsburgh's going to want to take advantage early. Tampa's going to want to take them out of the game early. And, again, we saw in game four how big that fast start was for Tampa. I think it sounds cliche, but I think the team that gets off to the fastest start is going to win. Yeah. So, um, so let's go to the next series, uh, Blue Sharks. Um, this, the, I mean, I said this at the top of the show that this is like both series have been kind of like both, like when the Blues have won, it felt like they were just going to take over on the series. And that's the same when the Sharks won their games. Um, it felt like they were going to take over, but, um, so, but the, uh, so the Blues won last night. Um, they, yeah, in convincing fashion, uh, they, uh, Jake Allen was in net, um, it was in, uh, Elliot, and as we mentioned before, like, likewise with Murray, um, and Flurry, Elliot wasn't the issue, um, in fact, he's been their team MVP, um, but, uh, the, uh, you know, that Jake Allen was in net, and he played pretty well. Uh, the Sharks couldn't really figure him out uh, for the most part, um, and um, and uh, Martin Jones had uh, w- had a shutout streak um, in Game Three and Game Four, but um, that didn't happen in Game Five, um, where he let out a couple of goals. So um, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this series? Well, the the fact that the Blues, you know. Uh Game one, the Blues narrowly squeaked out uh, a two-to-one win because they got a lot of lucky breaks, a lot of you know post hitting, uh, you know a lot of post crossbars, uh, chances in front that they just wouldn't go for whatever reason. They didn't get the lucky break, and then San Jose gets a fluky one, uh, or the uh, St. Louis gets a fluky one on on uh, Martin Jones there. That's May took a slight deflection. Either way, fooled him. Glove side didn't look really good on it. Uh, didn't look really good on it. And it was the other way around in game two. It was the Sharks that got all the lucky breaks and you know the posts and the missed opportunities. St. Louis couldn't find the net, and the Sharks did, and they get the shutout. And it obviously helps when the other team can't score. 
as was the case in Game 3. Again, the other team couldn't score. Martin Jones gets their shutout. Um, but, I, I, and, and the thing is, Brian Elliott in Game 6, he kind of looked a little bit human. Then he comes back in Game 7, uh, looks, you know, although he, he had a couple of near-heart attacks, um, still, again, Dallas only got one goal on him. Uh, or one goal scored against him, and uh, at the end of the day, the Blues took that series decisively with the with the huge winning game seven. In game one, you know, again, got the benefit of the doubt on some lucky breaks, and then in game two, they got to him. In game three, they got to him again, and and he and he just didn't he didn't look all there in my opinion maybe fatigue was starting to get to him a little bit and at that point they needed to make a goalie change to kind of light the team up uh, a little bit and, and they had a, a power play as well they pulled Jake Allen with i think like 5 minutes left in regulation in yeah something three. like that that didn't really that didn't really help too much they didn't give up a goal but they didn't really get too many chances on Martin Jones but they got their opportunities in game four and they were able to capitalize. And you saw, uh, you know, the goalie change uh, with Pittsburgh uh, in game four and that kind of sparked them. That sparked the Blues as well. So I think that's probably why Pittsburgh uh, is comfortable with going to Mark Andre Fleury because you saw how St. Louis responded against San Jose. Uh, they were up five to one in the third period. And again, it was just, you know, getting a lot of second, third chance opportunities on Martin Jones, something they didn't really get too much of in the first couple of games, and they were able to capitalize. Um, especially on that 2 nothing goal where Jones makes that nice save, the yeah. puck goes right in front to Yori Letera, and he's able to bang it on. So, um, St. Louis did everything, did everything they could to get themselves back into this series, and now it's it's funny how uh, how big of a momentum swing it can be. Yeah. Uh, when when one team like you just think the other team's got all the momentum on their side, <laughs> and then one period later, bang, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So that... it, it uh, St. Louis did a lot of good things in Game Four, a lot of good things that they need to build on. They need mm. to continue to do get a lot of third chance, uh, second opportunities, third opportunities. And they're going to need that because Martin Jones is going to be back in the net in Game 5. Because yeah. James Reimer, he did a decent job, you know, in, in, in relief. But the last time he was in a playoff game, <laughs> uh, Leafs fans probably want to forget and Bruins fans will probably never forget. Right. Uh, 2013 Game 7, we all know what happened from there. So... I don't really feel comfortable going back to James Reimer in Game 5. You just need to give Martin Jones a little bit yeah. of breather. You know this game's out of reach. And just as St. San Jose was starting to come back into that game, St. Louis scores that power play goal. And, uh, you know, a deflection nonetheless. But it's something that, you know, you, 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 you got to wonder, really, would Martin Jones have um, – a better chance on that goal considering that he's played in most of the playoff fashion. And yeah. this is the first time we've seen James Reimer all playoffs. He's been, you know, not really on, on the ice in a game situation. I would, I would stick, I would stick with the guy that got me here and that's Martin Jones. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't, we'll see, we'll see what kind of a boost that provides. San Jose in game five. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's really any debate on who's going to start game five. 
for them. But I, I, I do, I think James Reimer, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously it's unfortunate for him in that last, you know, Game 7 2013 uh, game against the Bruins. But, um, you know, he was, he was the main reason why the Leafs even got to Game 7. So, yeah. Um, so he, he is, yeah, um, and he's been pretty good uh, in the regular season for the Sharks, so um, he is a good backup, but I do agree with you. I think Martin Jones um, is going to play in Game 5, and I think he'll be he'll be good. I know he had that shutout streak, so um, <laughs> that was more of the talk of the town, I guess, but um, yeah, so that shutout streak kind of ended. But yeah. That's that's true, but I I mean I think Martin Jones also played well enough. I mean yeah you're right they they did the Sharks have been playing a a lot better defense than um, they have in years past. But um, yeah I don't know I think Martin Jones has been uh, a good great goaltender. I mean we talked about like Elliot last time and Matt Murray last time too. But um, you know I think Martin Jones deserves a lot of Praise as well. Well, yeah, and you look at you know Brent Burns and Logan Couture and Joel yeah. Norton and Thomas Hurdle had a pretty big week as well. Jonas Don Donskoy. Jonas Donskoy as Jonas, well. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 made some pretty nice plays as well, and um, and all those guys. Martin Jones has has been a quiet leader for this group. Yeah. And it's you know he's been so under the radar because you know he was the backup previously to Jonathan Quick and. And now he's here playing these big <laughs> games and he's getting all these wins. And, yep. You know, You're welcome, Sharkies. And that's, that's the calling card against San Jose. If you, if you can beat them at least once, you might yeah. have a chance to pull off a victory. But um, if St. Louis keeps getting shut out, they're not helping themselves. It's like that. Yeah, you're, you're welcome, Sharkies, from the Bruins uh, crowd. Could have been a Bruin, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he probably he would have been a backup t- if he was if he stayed in the Bruins. But I'm just happy we got a first round. Um, I yeah, guess now, now I think we're done talking about the. Winter yeah, yeah. Round. I was about to, to the point where we can segue into. The I was about to segue. I was about to segue. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, speaking of the Bruins, um, since this is sort of a Bruins podcast, um, I figured, and we haven't talked. I mean. There's not really much to talk about else in the hockey world. So I figured uh, there's there's been a couple of storylines in these conference finals. Um, I don't know if this is the biggest one, but the uh, two stories that I think have some traction right now is uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton and Phil the Thrill Kessel uh, going further in the playoffs than they have ever gone before. Um, these are the two guys I felt like I feel like everybody's rooting for. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but uh, <laughs> um, now besides being really good players who have interesting personalities and have been scrutinized for not being leaders um, on their teams, they have yet another thing in common. They both started their career in a Boston Bruins uniform. Um, so I don't know if like uh, this is, I have this whole uh, thing here written, so that's why it doesn't sound natural, I guess, but um, that's why I have it here, and if you want to interject at times, you can, Steve. Um, So, uh, I became a diehard Bruins fan after the first lockout, uh, but I do remember going to games before then, 
I was at a I was at a game where Thornton had two goals, and I just remember everyone in the arena standing up waiting for him to get his third. Uh, there were other factors, but I, in that moment, it helped uh, you know me get into the Bruins. Um, besides getting angry about no hockey during the lockout, I remember that whole year just getting excited for Bergeron and Raycroft to take that next step. I know it's kind of funny thinking back about like Raycroft, like getting excited for him, but uh, and seeing Thornton, Samsonoff, and Glenn Murray shine. Uh, Bruins fans will remember Glenn Murray. Um, so since I was about 12 at the time, I wasn't really devoted as I am now. I wasn't scouring the internet and message boards, finding any news I could get. I was So I just wasn't like privy to the, a lot of the stuff that I am now. So most of this information is research. Um, the year before the lockout, uh, the Bruins won the Northeast Division and were the one seed in the East. They ended up losing to the Habs in the first round. Uh, the lockout came, and Thornton was an RFA that summer. Um, th- there were some contract disputes. Thornton didn't get a single point that playoffs and was sort of blamed for it, the whole thing, by the Boston media. Um, there were reports that he was unhappy with the Bruins management and the criticism he got from the media for his playoff performance. Um, many thought the head coach at the time, Robbie Fitorek, Gave Thornton the captaincy too early, uh, but he ended up signing a $20 million three-year contract that summer, despite his unhappiness with the team. Um, so I was look, I was even looking at Thornton's playoff stats because I remember hearing that that was the main reason he got traded. And as I was looking, I found that Jumbo was in the playoffs before that, which I don't know if a lot of people realize that. Um, so in his time in Boston, he had 18 points in 35 playoff games, um, and that's in five seasons, um, or five playoffs. Um, it kind of reminds me of Sagan being traded because of his poor playoff performance, among other reasons, of course. But um, this was even worse, though, because uh, this was only one series, and Sagan was in four. So small sample sizes, as we were talking about with Drew N, um, which is why you should never base a player's performance on for playoffs. Um, so Thornton gets traded to the Sharks for Marco Sturm, Wayne Primo, and Brad Stewart. Um, usually, when I go to bed, I like, you know, I just go on the computer and whatnot. I still do that. Um, and I just remember that night, I just like checked ESPN, and that was the big story. And then I actually thought it was like a dream almost. Um, and then I woke up and it wasn't one. Um, I didn't really know about the dispute at the time, but I was devastated obviously, because I was just looking forward to watching Thornton play day-to-day kind of thing. Um, Sturm was good, and Stewart was decent, but they were nowhere near as good as uh, Thornton was in San Jose. And as you may recall, he was the first Hart Trophy winner to be traded in the middle of the season. He won it that year. Um, It hurt for me as this new Bruins fan who was looking forward to seeing Thornton play, as I just said. But I had hope. Um, and that was that we would get a high draft pick, likely. Um, I would read Hockey News and other magazines about the draft that year. Uh, there were five guys who were supposed to be good players. Um, so that's uh, Eric Johnson, Jordan Stahl, Jonathan Tays, Nick Backstrom, and uh, Phil Kessel. Um, I don't know, this is, I'm just like a little off topic, but like, you think about it, like, if you think back to that draft, 
Like, imagine if the Penguins had drafted Taze, Backstrom, or Kessel instead of Jordan Stahl. Or if the Blues got any of those guys either. It would have changed the landscape of NHL for a long time, though. But, like, Crosby, Taze, and Malkin would be uh, crazy. Um, But, um, so, anyways, um, I think I was... From what I remember is I think I was okay if the Bruins got Backstrom, but I really wanted Kessel because I heard, I just remember him like being like up and down that, like the drafts every year. So, uh, throughout the year. So, and the Bruins got him. So I was excited for that. Um, as well as drafting Kessel that off season, the Bruins got Char and Savard with money the Bruins would have spent on Thornton. Um, so that's, that's going to become important. Because um, also Chiarelli became the GM that year. And that season we had uh, Bergeron making a name for himself. We also had Tim Thomas win the starting goaltending job. Uh, the Bruins ended up trading Raycroft for some goaltending prospect, Tuka Rask. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, we also had Lucic, who was a rookie that year and just was a force of nature. Um, the Bruins didn't make the playoffs that year, but that was the start of our core. Um, you know, our championship core kind of thing with... Savard, Chara, Bergeron, Thomas with uh, Rask in the wings, Lucic, and Kessel. Marshawn came a little bit later, um, and obviously Savard also had that concussion, but, um, you know, Krejci uh, kind of replaced him in that sense. Um, the Bruins probably wouldn't have won the Cup if it weren't for that Thornton trade. And as I did re- research, I found that Mike O'Connell, who was the GM at the time, who made that trade... Um, he did an interview after the Bruins won in 2011. He said that he still would have made that trade, and it was satisfying that the Bruins won before the Sharks did. Um, he also said that he wanted Bergeron to do to be the centerpiece of the team, and all got, became true. Um, so I thought that was just an interesting tidbit from that time. Um, as for Kessel, uh, he had uh, t- testicular cancer his rookie year. He missed a couple of games, but never really got his groove until his third and final year in Boston. Uh, Kessel had 126 points in 222 games um, in Boston. His last season with the Bees was his best by far, where he had 60 points. I was trying to find information on why Kessel left the Bruins, because there was more information on Thornton, the Thornton trade than uh, the Kessel, the first Kessel trade. Um and there were a couple of stories that I ran into. Uh, Kessel was an RFA, and the Maple Leafs were really trying to get him. And they were trying to like force the Bruins' hand by potentially offer-sheeting him. Um, so they made some deals so they could afford the one, uh, the one, of, the one of which was uh, to Chicago, which happened to be which Chicago used to take Brandon Saad, which is funny. Um, so, and also, uh, there was an article in the Boston Globe where they interviewed uh, Zidane Chara, who was like the de facto leader at the time. And this happened when all this, like the Sagan trade happened. Um, and I'll, I'll just quote it here. Um, so Chara says, um, it comes to personal sacrifices you have to make or are willing to give up, said Chara, speaking specifically about Kessel and Sagan. And it's not always easy to do. I know they are good people, obviously, really talented, uh, great people, players. But sometimes you do have to make sacrifices and be willing to do or not to do certain things. And perhaps it was maybe harder than they thought it would be, and it didn't work. 
Um, and then he goes on, he doesn't go into specifics, but he does say that we try to, um, we try to address the different issues that they had with those players. Um, so they were, the Bruins were very secretive as to why they didn't, uh, why they made that, the trade, but I mean, I wouldn't blame them for it. Uh, I don't really blame them for it because it, it ended up working out well for us. Uh, we got two draft picks. Um, and also partially because the Leafs got Kessel for a ridiculous price, um, as I just said, and they just didn't address the other holes, so which led to the Bruins getting top draft picks in the top ten. So we got the we got the 2010 second overall pick and the 2011 ninth overall pick, um, and you know Sagan helped out in the 2011 game I remember against the conference the conference finals speaking of the conference finals where he had like a huge goal um in the conference finals so that was that was fun um cool but like so then just to wrap it up when you compare these situations to what happened to Sagan and Hamilton is remarkably similar uh just the Bruins give up on their young players too easily um and then and I even mentioned uh so when you look at how Juen is doing now just so how you should be patient with your prospects. So I'm rooting for Kessel and Thornton. I think for Bruins fans, you have to refer them, but uh, for for Thornton because he means more to the Bruins than I think Kessel was because Kessel was on there for a shorter amount of time. But uh, Kessel has that added bonus of upsetting Toronto media, who treated him even worse than Boston did. Um, which you should take note, Jimmy VC, because um, <laughs> if you're deciding between those two. Uh, I think Boston media isn't as bad, although we are pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but um, so that's that's my uh, history lesson for you guys. Um, I don't know if that was interesting or not, but no, no that was that was pretty interesting, especially yeah. the, the playoff uh, performances and all that. That's that's yeah. interesting. You know, playoff success sometimes still rate. And and Tyler Sagan, when when he had that big playoff run as 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 well, like I think he got sixteen points one playoff or something close to that. Yeah, he was and the year they won the cup in twenty eleven, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I can look I, that I think up. It was but his, 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 his off the ice stuff, like you know, partying and whatnot. So I think I, I hear that's why why Mike Richards and Jeff Carter were kind of shipped out of Phillies because they like to have too much fun off the ice, and I think it was. I, yeah. I don't know how much that factored into the segment. Yeah, I, th- I think that factored into it as well, but let's see here. So during the playoffs, he had seven points in 13 games that Stanley Cup year. And oh, then, really? Yeah. Then the next year, he had three points in seven. That was that uh, Washington series with Joel Ward and Breen Holtby taking over the Bruins. And then in the 2012-2013, so that was his last year as, as the Bruins, but that was when we were, uh, you know, when the Bruins yeah, got into Chicago. Yeah. He had eight points in 22 games. So that was also, um, yeah, so that was one of the reasons why Sagan, like, was shipped out, because he didn't perform well um, in that playoffs, which is it's kind of crazy when you think about it, because, like, fourth Thornton 2 is, like, like, yeah, they didn't do badly in yeah they did badly in the playoffs but that wasn't the main reason why they lost and they were in the playoffs before and they didn't do badly before in in the playoffs too so it's it's kind of like as a Bruins fan um it's kind of just upsetting that like you trade a guy based on like one playoff 
when it's just a small sample size. Um, so I just look at like how Drew went that this whole Drew N situation where it's like, um, where I'm glad that he's doing well right now, but, um, you know, that you, we have to see how he does in the regular season, uh, kind of thing. And it's, it's kind of, it, you know, because you look at, you look at guys like Justin Williams who are huge playoff performers and, and that's. You know, why they go to, like, yep. contenders is because they make a name for themselves in the playoffs. And Carolina made a name for himself in the playoffs. And L.A. made a name for himself in the playoffs. Right. And the Washington went to the second round and nothing more. He was still a huge playoff performer, especially when he had that two-goal performance in Game 6 against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, he was a playoff performer. And, and that's what people want. You know, that's what contenders are looking for. They want a playoff performer. Um, but... At the same time, you're right. Regular season success, you know, they want a lot of that too. And it it's just that Phil Kessel and Tyler Sagan, it, they they seemed to have their best regular season numbers when they left Boston. Yeah. And uh, Joe Thornton, he had some good regular season numbers, but again, trading in mid-season, that was arguably his best year in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, so... See, the thing with those three-star players is that, yes, it sucks to trade them if you're a Boston fan, but in hindsight, uh, in particular Thornton and Kessel, if they don't make those trades, maybe, just maybe, they don't have that kind of team success that they had in 2011 and 2013. Yeah, and I alluded to that in in, in that whole thing was that, yeah, we uh, we probably couldn't afford Chara or Savard um, if we if we still held on to Thornton. Um, so in that respect, I think that's true. I don't think we win the cup if we yeah, still had Thornton. It's definitely um, it's definitely bittersweet, but I think everything. I don't know. I don't know. If, and I think that's why so many people are yeah. trading for the Sharks is because they want Thornton after all these years to win a cup. Yeah, I mean, and I want him to win a cup too. I uh, but. I, uh, yeah, and I think that's the, like, and I guess, I don't know if we, and then I guess, I'm not sure if we could have made the 2013 Cup if we had Kessel, um, I don't know, um, that is an, that is a more disputed one to, uh, to argue, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I guess that's it for that talk. Um, but yeah, so let's go to the World Championships. Um, if you don't have anything else that you wanted to talk about, well, but, just 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 quickly, I like yeah. the sound bites that they had, both of them, uh, this week when Kessel was oh, yeah, yeah. His conditioning and confusing for bad breath, and he's like, "Yeah, it's pretty bad." Huh? Oh yeah, he's yeah. Like, no, I, Pierre McGuire says, "No, in terms of your conditioning, how's your breath?" He's like, "Ah, oh, it's." It's it's fine. It's it's fun to win. And yeah, yeah. Just totally caught off guard. I love I love how like 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 he uh, just answers it really seriously after yeah, like he, laughing. In, in, yeah. in between uh, bits bits of laughter there too. Yeah. yeah it's it, it's it's. And then uh, Thornton was like media considering in Toronto, I didn't really get to do much. Of that. Yeah, yeah. And Thornton was like dancing with uh, the Blues fans. Like, Did throwing water. Fans, yeah. uh, tugging at playoff beards. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Hiding pucks in his pants or whatever. Yeah, 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 a pretty fun week. And then the ice, yeah. the, the cherry on top, the icing on the cake was was him was him being asked, to, you know, are you are you surprised by how well you're playing at this stage? And he's like, <laughs> I know I'm a good player. <laughs> he tries to dance around it afterwards and make it sound a little better. Yeah. But yeah, you know, if you're confident in your skills at your age, right. especially confidence in that you can still do what you could do at 27, 28, that's, yeah. that's, a sign of, that's a sign of a good player. Well, Thornton, I think, was in the top 10 in scoring this year, which is crazy impressive considering how old he is. But yeah, um, he's a, he's a certain... I'd say... How about this question? If you're, like, let's say Thornton doesn't win the cup, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? See, I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He will get in the Hall of Fame, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's it's the same thing with Daniel Albertson. You look at what he's done for the Senators. He might not be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I definitely think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely the best passer in this generation. Yeah. Um, but I think like that whole like a cup win would solidify. Yeah, it would definitely. It definitely I think he eventually makes it into the Hall of Fame. Oh Um. All right, let's go to the World Championships. Um. So I actually, it's kind of been hard to find the World Championships on the TV here, but um on the TV here, on TV here in America. I don't know how hard it is for Canada, but... It's on TSN, so... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, on, like, some, like, CSN or something. Yeah. Um, or NBCSN. Yeah, I don't even think they're sh- they were showing it today, but... So, but I did get to see the third period of Canada-USA yesterday. Um, it was... I, I was just looking at the rosters of both teams, and I was just impressed that the USA even made it this far. Uh, to the semifinals. Um, well, first off, we should say that the World Championships, um, are, I guess, are starting really soon with uh, Finland and Canada in gold medal match. Um, and Russia, USA happened earlier today for the bronze medal, and Russia won 7-2. to two. Um, but, um, I w- but anyways, back to the U.S. and Canada yesterday. I, uh, I was just looking at the U.S. roster, and I was, like, thinking, like, like, they don't have a lot of the guys that, you know, that that would be in it. Like, Parise, uh, Bacchus. I mean, obviously, Bacchus, Kessel, and, um, you know, uh, like, John's, Tyler Johnson are in, the, you know, have more important things to worry about. But, um, I... Uh, 23 into the first, Canada, Finland, yeah. or scoreless. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so it's already underway. Oh, it's already underway. Austin Matthews looks good. Uh, Patrick Laine looks good. Um, Brad Marchand and Brendan Gallagher are leading the way for Canada, which is kind of I funny. I would say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like Crosby and Giroux last year, right? Where, like, <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, and Corey Perry is also a pest, too. So it's like the pest lineup for Canada. But, um... Yeah, I mean, obviously Canada won yesterday. They have a much better team, but I'm impressed with USA, and it's good for the future of the Team USA where they don't have a lot of their best players. Patrick Kane wasn't there. Jack Heigl wasn't there. Um, Corey Schneider wasn't there. Corey Schneider, Jonathan Quick, Ben Bishop obviously wasn't there. But, um, yeah, so it's, um, 
it was uh, I, I'm proud of this team for USA, even though I only watched one period. But uh, um, yeah, and uh, I, can I'm I, kind of surprised with the youth that's there, like yeah. Blackhawks prospect Tyler Mons. Uh, in the Finns, they have Sebastian Ajo, Patrick Laine, who yeah. were in the World Junior Tournament <laughs> earlier this year. Yeah. They, and Austin Matthews, it goes without saying about him right. with the Americans. And a like, lot of talented youth yeah. that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. And goes, well, I mean, I guess at the same time, though, like, Canada doesn't have Taze and Crosby and all those guys. And, uh, you know, USA doesn't have all their guys. Finland doesn't have all their guys. So... This is kind of like it kind of like warps the whole the whole thing. It's still impressive of course, but I'm just saying it's like um they don't have a lot of their guys, but um yeah, it's still impressive that USA did well. It shows that uh how much depth the US has, um and Canada has obviously too, but and Finland um as well. Uh, Patrick Laine has looked really good too. I could see him actually. Maybe the Leafs. You think the Leafs could take him? Who? A uh, Patrick Line. See, Patrick. Le- I I still go with Austin Matthews, but Patrick Line is is. I I think he solidified himself as the next best thing if yeah. you don't get Austin Matthews. Yeah, Winnipeg Jets are lucky Jets are gonna, for that. Are gonna have a serious pick. Like you look at some of the passes he made. That two to one goal on Russia. Like yeah. he threads the needle through three Russian sticks. Right on the tape in front of the net. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's just filthy stuff. Like Mitch Marner had a pretty good play like that in the game against Red Deer in the Memorial Cup opener, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Well, I, that was a very nice pass from Patrick Lane. He's had a bunch of highlight reel um, yeah. scoring opportunities, scoring I think. There. I think if Line was a center, I think he would be first overall. But I think since Matthews yeah. is a center. Any other goes, draft, I think he'd be first overall. Yeah, yeah I think so. I th- I I've been hearing comparables to like he's like an Ovechkin Patrick Kane type, um, which is it, it kind it kind of ways yeah. It, it, if you're going to compare him to a winger, but yeah, well, yeah, it is is electrifying play, no doubt. He, it's kind of like a Patrick Kane as well. Yeah, um, he, he he's got that Patrick Kane flair to him, and and he likes to have fun. Like uh, yeah. he had a couple of media gems as well. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was one where. Uh, where Corey Perry went knee on knee, and he was asked about it in uh, Finland's win. And he was like, "Maybe they're maybe they're trying to tick me off because they know, and I know, in my opinion, I'm a pretty good hockey player." Right. Uh, another play, another um, media gem um, went along the lines of um, when when asked after the game if Alex Barkov was going to play in the semis because he was hurt or something, he yeah. said, "I'm good at a lot of things, but I'm not a doctor." <laughs> and then lastly, he says, after getting hit by Alex Ovechkin, he says, I don't think I'll ever watch this game. Yeah, yeah, that was a funny one. That, that, was, that was a good one. So yeah, I think he'd fit right in with the Winnipeg media. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's got that quirky personality. Yeah, I, I, hockey players in general seem to be guarded with their answers, but I like how he's like he has a lot of quotes. We need, that, we need more of that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely a soundbite machine for the media for sure. So I yeah. I really think he's going to be a talented prospect for the Winnipeg Jets. And <laughs> yeah, you changed your tune from. He's uh, confident. I I don't think he's cocky. I think he's confident in what he does. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, it's only cockiness if you can't back it up. If you can back it up, it's confidence. Yeah, you change. You, you change. You change your tune. Um, 
Because uh, I remember during the lottery, you were saying you, d you didn't know what the big deal about this guy was. Yeah, first impression, yeah, but as, yeah. At the end but of then the you day, saw him play. So at the end of the day, when you see him play and you can see what he can do, it's it's hard not to say, yeah, yeah we'll take a pass on this guy. <laughs> um. All right, let's go to the Memorial Cup. Um. You know more about this. Well, since I I had that whole spiel about the uh the, the Bruin stuff, which I know more about. Uh, but these next two topics you know more about. So let's go with the Memorial Cup first. Uh, so for those people who don't who don't follow the CHL that well, just um, you know, just give us a description of who the best play, players to look out for in case you happen to be watching these Memorial Cups. Um, oh, also, um, so we did a poll as well on who will who do you think will win the the Memorial Cup. Um, so the teams are Red Deer Rebels, who are, I believe are the home, the host city, yeah, right? they're the host this year, Red Deer, Red um, Deer, Alberta. Let's see if I can actually figure out what leagues they are. The London Knights are OHL, right? Yep. Um, again. Brandon Weekings are, I'm going to say WHL? Yeah, they're the chance of the WHL. And then Ruin Norenda would mean they are the QMJHL. Yep. Team. Um, so yeah, so we asked the Memorial Cups, who do you think will win? And uh, London Knights have fifty, so thirteen vote. We got thirteen votes, which isn't bad, but uh, London Knights had fifty-four percent, and the Brandon Weekings had forty-six percent. Um, and then Ruan Nuanda and the Red Deer have zero percent. But um, wait, what? Uh, what league is the Red Deer? Rebels Red Deer, in. they are also WHL. Okay, okay. So, so um, it rotates, so OHL will host one year, then it's the Q, then it's the WHL, and then yeah. it rotates. Oh, wow, okay. So it, it rotates every three years. Every league gets hosted every three years. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. All right, so, um, yeah, so just, uh, yeah, uh, just give us information about uh, each team so and what happened so far. Yeah, the Red Deer Rebels is an interesting thing. They're, the, there's usually this one underdog that's clearly, you know, distance themselves from everyone else in, in the sense that, you know, they're the underdogs. Right. And, and, uh, this year it's all heavyweights. I've been told it's all heavyweights this year. The oh, Red are the Red Deer, Deer Rebels, Rebels good? Or? <laughs> Red Deer Rebels, even though their goalie had a 3.19 DAA throughout uh, the regular season, they made it into the conference. Finals and lost to the Brandon Weekings, who uh, were, were the crop in the WHL this year. Okay, so they're not they're not exactly a team you should sleep on. They got Jake DeBrus, by the way, Bruins nice. draft pick. Oh right, right, yeah. three drafts in successions. So he's on that team. He and Fleury played on the Canadian now World Junior Team. Uh, he's also on there. Um, and, and they've got a, a lot of uh, good talent on, on that team, and not just those two guys. They've got a lot of depth players that they got uh, through um, through the trade deadline. Even their current captain was a trade deadline acquisition as well. So it, they they were doing their best. When they found out about 18 months ago that they were going to be hosting the tournament this year, they did whatever they could to build themselves into a Memorial Cup contender, a team that could win a Memorial Cup. And um, while... It is kind of cool. Say, uh, go ahead. Sorry. It's, it, let's just say their first game, they had to go up against Christian DeForak, uh, 
Matt Kachuk and Mitch Marner are probably the best line in all the CHL. So they didn't really, <laughs> really have, have the luck of the draw on their side to start off with. They were they were actually giving London a good run for their money in, in the first um, in the first half of period number one. But then Hayden Fleury gets a penalty, a retaliatory penalty. Matt Kachuk. Um, mixing it up with him, and then Fleury rips his helmet off there, takes a two-minute undisciplined penalty, and that's when the top line goes to work. Bang, 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 in a span of like seven minutes, London's <laughs> up 3 nothing after one. Wow. And it's Mitch Marner, surprise, surprise, the least pick, starting it all. And, and that's the talk, that's going to be the talk of the tournament, is that top line for London, Dvorak, uh, Kachuk, and Marner. Because they basically dominated the Red Deer Rebels uh, for uh, a good 20 to 30 minutes of hockey. Uh, Mitch Marner, two goals, three assists, five points, including a three-point first period. He had this beautiful feed to uh, Christian Dvorak, who had two goals in the opening frame. Um, Christian Dvorak's a Coyotes prospect, right? Yes, he is a Coyotes prospect, yes. And and Kachuk, I think he was born in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. His his father, Keith Kachuk. Yeah, he was born in Arizona. And Mar- Marner's a uh, Toronto prospect. Toronto prospect, yes. And uh, you look at all the prospects they've got, the Leafs are unfortunately going to be very scary dangerous. <laughs> yep. um, but again, Mitch Marner in the second period continued to pour on the pressure, scored two unbelievable goals, like just absolute snipers um, over the goalie's uh, blocker hand. And, and it wasn't all Ryland Toast's fault. You, you know, you can't blame him for everything. And Tyler Parsons, the London goaltender, although the London Knights won that game 6-2, to two, he made some highlight reel saves, including one where at 4 nothing, Red Deer could have gotten back into that game, makes a huge sprawling save with the right pad, with his left pad. Light, Knights go the other way, and they make it 5 nothing seconds later. So a lot of turning point saves uh, to keep London, uh, to keep the edge in London's favor. And, and Tyler Parsons was very good in that game. So he's another underrated piece to watch out for. And, and the thing with London is it's not just their top line. They've got Aaron Barisha, who scored a lot of goals this year uh, for London. And uh, so they've got depth. That's the scary thing about London is they've got depth. Obviously, everything revolves around that top line. But they can they can rotate. They can, they can make some adjustments. And they can still be dangerous. Okay. Um, the reason why I didn't pick them in the finals is because I think they're going to rely on that top line too much, just like Team Canada did with Mitch Marner and Dylan Strome in, in the um, World Juniors. In the World Junior, and it didn't work out for them. They they relied, I think, a bit too much on their top line, and the top line couldn't really get it done. And I think at some point that top line is going to falter, and that's really going to burn one. So that's why I didn't really pick them, but I knew they were going to be dangerous, okay. as they usually are. This is, I think, their fourth Memorial Cup appearance in the last six years or five years. Uh, they, they, they've been they've been known for making Memorial But they're Cup. the favorite, though. Yeah, uh, well, I, I think Drew Durand is the favorite. Oh, wow, uh, okay. Uh, and and there, I look back to that series against... That's Rose kind of surprising, because no one picked them in our pool. Yeah, I'd love, they... Well, that's probably because they didn't watch their four-game sweep of Drummondville where they scored, like, 30-plus goals and only gave up, like, three, four, five, or six. Wow. So, like, they outscored Drummondville big time. I think one game it was 10 nothing, another game it was 10-1. to But would you say that the QMJHL is of the same quality as the WHL or the OHL? 
I think so, and okay. their intensity level. Like, I was watching a couple of years ago, Gatineau play against Halifax in round two when they had Jonathan Jordan and Nathan McKinnon. Right, right. Mac Weger on defense, a former Nepean Raiders defenseman who was drafted by Florida or signed by Florida, one of the two. And I was watching that game, and it was it was it was fun to watch, but man, it was chippy. I've never <laughs> seen anything like that in my entire life. Like it's very aggressive hockey. And there was uh, just looking at the Brandon um, Bruin Naranda game. It was yeah. three to one Bruin Naranda after one period. Shots were fifteen to twelve. Uh, in favor of uh, Ruin Naranda. But, uh, you know, it was it was a pretty close game. And they have a lot of weapons. Timo Meyer, former Halifax Moose, said he got two goals. Francis Perron, who was, uh, um, I think he was the MVP in uh, the regular season in the playoffs or something like that. He got three assists since Prospect, by the way, uh, and recently signed by the Ottawa Senators to an entry-level contract. So he's, he's a pretty good player for them. Got three assists in the opener. Um, and, and they've got a lot of uh, other depth talents as well. And Chase Marchand, their goalie, uh, he's cousin of Brad Marchand. Oh, wow. And not too many teams really gave him a chance. He, he kind of rotated around the queue, uh, played a little bit in the OHL, not for a long time either. But he, he really found his own, set a bunch of records uh, from what I've been told, and he just stuck with it. And he was given apparently every chance to quit, and he didn't. And here he is, and he made some unbelievable saves, um, some huge saves uh, for Rune Naranda to keep it close because while it was 5-1, to one, Brandon was pressing. They outshot him 19-4 to four in the third period alone, and Marshawn was a big reason why they didn't really get too many chances. And, All right. And, and I'm now they, a Rune Naranda now, now that I know that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you talk about the, the intense style Rune Naranda was playing. Yeah. Like, that 5-2 goal where Brandon scored, um, basically, Coulter comes in, uh, and he just dies on the puck, and then accidentally <laughs> ends up diving on the goalie, Marshawn, who's down and out, and can't make the save. And then he gets cross-checked in the back, and instead of just getting up, he goes after Marshawn, who's down on the ice and can't really defend himself, and that sets off a firestorm. And uh, A.J. Greer, uh, Avalanche prospect, just goes completely bonkers and loses it. So uh, that's the kind of intense hockey I'm talking about. And and they're playing a Red Deer, the host, um, on Sunday night, uh, the night we're talking about this. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how much of their feistiness uh, carries over, uh, considering they played on, on the Saturday. So that'd be back-to-back games for them. But... Um, like, Bruin and Aranda can hang with the best of them. And okay. I think they're really going to surprise a lot of people. They're going to show a lot of people what they're made of. And I think Bruin and Aranda is going to be that team that goes to the finals. Okay. And I think this this matchup tonight uh, between Red Deer and Bruin and Aranda, I think that's going to set the stage for what we're going to see in the finals. So you have Red Deer and Bruin and But but Brandon could easily put a stop to that because they have this guy named John Glenville, Devils prospect, drafted yep. 30th overall, uh, scored 16 goals in the playoffs, and he takes the pass between the legs, and then he pulls it between the legs, top shelf. That was a nice goal. Three. That was unbelievable. That's that's Canada for goal of the tournament yeah. right there. And we're only in today two, day three. Yeah. So... Um, that, that's going to be a, a key thing to watch out for. Brandon, they've got a lot of 
firepower, a lot of depth guys they acquired through the deadline as well. And they've got this guy named Nolan Patrick, who was apparently a projected top pick. Next year. Okay. And he got, I think, 100-plus points this year. Wow. So he's he's also um, he's also a guy uh, to watch out for. Nolan Patrick, the guy, the, the next Austin Matthews, if you will. <laughs> um. He, he could be an interesting guy to look out for in okay. this tournament. So I think if it's not going to be Red Deer, I think it's going to be Brandon you will see going up against Rune Naranda in the final. But I think Rune Naranda, at the end of the day, they're the team to beat in this tournament. Interesting. So I guess we'll uh, see. I, I, I would have thought the London Knights would be the favorite. but um, I, I think, again, they're a good team, but relying on their top line I think is going to be their downfall. Okay. I think that's what's going to come down to is how much they rely on their top line. And Canada scored to make it one nothing against the Finns. Connor McDavid's oh, McDavid. yeah, getting an assist from Matt Duchesne at eleven twenty four. Nice. Point in Canada is up. All right, early on Finland. Uh, quickly, the RBC yeah. Cup, right? Uh, level below the CHL. Uh, this is their Memorial Cup that's going on right now. Uh, Carlton plays Canadians. Here's the interesting part. Uh, for, by the way, so for you guys listening at home, uh, Carlton Place uh, Canadians are close to where Steve lives. Um, yes. But they're yeah. like a... Or drive away. Yeah, yeah. So they're the Ottawa Valley. Um, and this this is rare for a team to go to this tournament three straight years. Because not only do they have to win their league... And this is a level below the, uh, the yeah, CHL. level below the CHL, the QMJHL, yep. the WHL, the OHL, those things, yeah. Uh, so this is Junior A, uh, whereas, the C, uh, whereas the OHL and all those leagues are major Junior A. Right. So this is Junior A hockey. This is their Memorial Cup. Carlton Place, in order to get to this tournament, you have to win your league, then win another tournament, and then go to the RBC Cup, the National Championship, and then go to the finals and then win that. So it's a long, it's it's arguably a tougher journey to get to this tournament than it is the Memorial Cup as far as games are going. Because you have to go through a bunch of teams, not only in your league, but in, in other leagues. Too. Right. Uh, so to get to this stage, to do it in three straight years is impressive. And in my opinion, unheard of. I don't know too many teams that have done this before. Uh, unfortunately, they appear to look like the Buffalo Bills because... Like the Buffalo Bills, uh, who made it to the Super Bowl four straight years, had nothing to show for it. Carlton Place had nothing to show for it in year one, where they had a 3-1 lead in the final period with about six or so minutes left. The other team ties it. Yorkton, Saskatchewan, I believe, the Yorkton Terriers. And they won in an overtime. So Carlton Place comes up short on that. They go to the finals again last year, and they lose 5-2. to two. Uh, And this year... They didn't even make it to the finals. In fact, they didn't even make it to the semifinals. They finished last, 0-3-1 in the tournament, which kind of sucks because uh, the team, the Lloydminster Bobcats, who were hosting the tournament, they also went 0-3-1. The difference is uh, the the one for Carlton Place, the one point they got was an overtime loss. The one point that Lloydminster got was an overtime win. So... The Lloydminster Bobcats, by a point, ended up going to the semifinals. They faced uh, the number uh, one team in this tournament, Trenton, who went 3-0-1 with an overtime loss. Um, 
and all they did was uh, just taking a look at this. And oh, they beat Trenton six to two to book their ticket. So the team that finished higher by a point than Carlton Place is now playing in the final game in front of their hometown fans. Oh, wow. So a tough pill to swallow if you're the Carlton Place Canadians. Three straight <laughs> trips to the RBC Cup, no title in either. So now it's going to be uh, the Lloydminster Bobcats, hometown Lloydminster Bobcats, taking on the uh, West Kelowna Warriors, who uh, defeated the Brooks Bandits 4-1 to in their semifinal game. So they're going to be playing uh, Lloydminster for the title, which is today. So by the time we talk about this again next week, we'll have uh, our RBC Cup champion. And we will also know who's going to be in the Memorial Cup finals because okay. that goes as well uh, when we're recording episode yeah. 33. So uh, it should be interesting to see who comes out of that. And it's still one nothing Canada over Finland, just under three minutes to play in the first. All right, so yeah, I guess we'll uh, we'll know more by next week. Even in our conference finals, we'll probably yeah, they'll probably we'll they, probably know the finals uh, teams, right? Yeah, well, close to it anyway. Yeah, assuming actually, I think it could be very well possible that both yeah. both of those series could go to seven. Yeah, in my I question, could see that happening. My question is, do you think both series are going to go seven? I think they're both are going. I think they are. As a, like a neutral fan, I th- I could I could I want th- I want to see that. Um, I could see that happening though. I think it's Tampa St. Louis still. I'm going with Tampa St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, and I'm going I'm going Pittsburgh San Jose here. But yeah, um, you're sticking with Pittsburgh San Jose. Okay. Yeah. Um, right, let's see what happens. I mean, yeah, either one isn't wrong because uh, the all four teams have looked really good at times. So. Yeah. Um, For those curious who won the bronze medal. I thought I said that. But, oh, okay, maybe you did. Um, <laughs> so I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 33 of the Lace Up Podcast. Yep, 33. 30 bird.